Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Today I have a very special guest for you all, my dear friend Whitney Eckes, who many of you might already be familiar with because I feel like I post about her a good amount and I had the pleasure of being on her podcast under the influence. But if you're not already familiar with Whitney, she is a serial entrepreneur and marketing guru. Whitney is the founder of Eckes Marketing, an incredible marketing agency. I have worked with them in a number of capacities and they actually were the geniuses behind my book launch party last year. So a lot of you might have seen some of the footage videos from my book launch party for Manifestation Mastery and that was all Eckes Marketing. They truly brought my vision to life. So super incredible agency. And she's also the founder of Get Super. Get Super is instant coffee infused with hemp extract. So you can enjoy your coffee without the jitters because we all love our coffee. And overall, you know, Whitney does all kinds of things, but her heart is really in empowering women in the business industry, which you talk about in this episode. We discuss some of the conversations that a lot of us might be left out of or not have access to when it comes to building wealth and investing. We talk about the behind the scenes of building a brand, building a product-based company. Like, what does that really entail? What does that really feel like? What does that look like on the business level? But also emotionally, we talk about friendships as entrepreneurs, setting boundaries, marketing, brand building, all that fun stuff. I mean, Whitney always just amazes me. We talk about in this episode how she's such an incredible manifester. It's something that I've always told her, like she just has it. She's so powerful. And when you listen to this, you'll probably just feel that from her frequency. And it really is like her mindset, her energy, her dedication, her commitment, her authenticity that allows her to be such a powerful manifester really effortlessly. And she just has such expansive energy that I'm sure you guys will fall in love with. I always am curious what Whitney is going to be up to next because she is truly such a visionary. I feel like that woman always has 500 like top-notch business ideas (laughs) running through her at all times. And she is somebody who just really knows her shit when it comes to building a brand and marketing. And she's just overall such a sweet human, such a good friend, and just a really powerful soul. So I'm excited for you all to learn from Whitney on this podcast. Be sure to connect with her further on her website, WhitneyEckes.com. Her Instagram is at WhitneyEckes. You can also check out her podcast under The Influence. Be sure to listen to the episode where I was a guest. I had so much fun. And yeah, you guys are gonna love this one. Before we jump into it, a quick reminder on my end, I am hosting a free masterclass next week, depending on when you're listening to this, on the 28th of February at 12 p.m. PST, all about manifesting abundance. It's going to be totally free. If you can't come live, you can get the recording. Just make sure you sign up. I'll put the link in the show notes below for you to register so you can get that recording slash come live. I highly encourage you to join live because it's always so much fun. But either way, you'll get the information. So we're going to talk all about manifesting abundance. I'm going to talk about the most common blocks to manifesting abundance. And we are going to do some energy work as well at the end to clear out some of those blocks. So it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm super excited. Totally free. Would love to see you there again Tuesday, February 28th at 12 p.m. PST. But you'll also get the recording. So 
link will be in the description below and yeah i'm really excited so that's really the main update on my end so let's jump into the episode without further ado here is the amazing whitney eckes so i like to start every episode with a couple of quick questions to help my audience get to know you if you're game i'm always game yeah, you are. All right. The first is, <laughs> what is your morning routine? How do you like to start your day? Um, I, let's see, the last couple of years, I've been really into journaling. I think I'm very much so in my head. So anything that's like physical for me, and especially if I write things out, it almost like is becomes like true. So a lot of what I do with my work and with my businesses and my visualizations or manifesting or anything like that, I need to have it physically like come out. And it's also a great way for me to like remember and celebrate and like actually record what's happening in my life. So journaling in the morning is huge and my coffee is huge. Love my coffee. And yeah. What's what's your coffee recipe? Is okay. it, do you just drink it straight? Um, no, I, so I have get super. That's one of our brands. It's a hemp infused instant coffee. I started drinking it when I went through my kind of mental health journey and being diagnosed and all that fun stuff, but I love almond milk and you got to froth the almond milk. You got to have a nice frother, like, but the one that warms it too. So it's like yeah. hot almond milk. And then I like a little bit of honey and a whole lot of cinnamon and it's mm. just perfection. Perfect. Love that. Do you put do you put the honey and the cinnamon into the milk? I put this. Okay. So recently I've been putting the cinnamon into the milk uh-huh. and it like does its thing. And I love that. But before, no, I would just top like the foam with the cinnamon. Oh, but then you're like drinking powder. Yeah. I, I'm also kind of a freak. Like I love cinnamon. Like I love how like freaking strong it could be. Oh my God. I used to be like that. And then I think I hit my limit. I used to, people used to joke that I would just like drink cinnamon. Yeah. Remember the cinnamon challenge? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was like, that's not even a challenge. That's like every day. It's so, just like me. That's just Christina with a cinnamon. Yeah. You can't go, you can't go wrong with with the cinnamon. Okay, love that. There we go. Um simple. What yeah. about a product you're really into right now and it can't be your own? Uh so it could be food, it could be clothes, it could be skincare, it could be a book, it could be a supplement, any physical oh, product. Um, okay. No shameless plugs. Let's see. I love, okay. So right now it's actually funny. One of our, one of our friends that we both know introduced me to this, it's called intro and you can go and meet with anybody that's obviously on the platform, but it could be entrepreneurs. It could be influencers. It could be, um, I don't know if there's like celebrities on there, but it's basically people of like influence or people that have kind of that wow factor And you can pay to have like 30 minutes or an hour of your, of their time. And you can actually like submit it and you could submit for like a pitch. You could submit for a podcast. Like you could submit whatever you want. And I just felt like that was such a genius like brand. And also I've just been like stalking everyone. Like the founder of Reddit's on there. Jacqueline Johnson from Create and Cultivate Work Party is on there. Like all these really cool people where I'm like, I, I don't even know what I'd talk to them about, but I just want to pay to talk to them on a Zoom. Yeah. So that's been something I've been super obsessed with. Yeah. I've been really interested in that platform too. I feel like I haven't fully, um, you could like go on there, Christina. Yeah, no, I know. Like I know. And they, they like said I could, I just have to decide what I want to put myself on there as Yeah. basically, but it's a very fascinating, like it's so simple, Mm -hmm. so obvious, but 
yeah it's very interesting it's a very interesting landscape i think it's a great idea i haven't figured it out yet though see i haven't done it yet i need to do it but the thing is is like i want these like big time people but i'm like god like what I'm not just going to like Q and AM for five minutes and be like, yeah, about your life. Like I want to go in with something strong and I just haven't found one yet where I'm like, yeah, I want to talk to them about. <laughs> I think what's so fascinating to me about that kind of thing is like a lot of those people that are on there that I would maybe really want to talk to. I'm like, how do they even have time yeah. to like give a random person, you know, even 20 minutes of their time? Like, how do they have time? That's what I'm curious about. I was thinking about that too. And they have like a legit calendar kind of like Calendly, yeah. where it's like, you can see all the times. I thought the same thing too, but I mean, they're getting paid. So yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I think yeah. it's genius. Yeah. I want to get on there and they were like, just, I just have to say what I want to be on there as, and yeah. I haven't decided yet. So I feel like you uh, can be multifaceted on that one. Yeah. But it is a really good resource. Okay. Intro. There we go. Love that. Love that answer. Okay. Now we're going to get into uh, do you know your astrology, sun, moon, and rising? Yes, but I have to look at my Chani app. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I know I actually had an existential crisis because I thought I was a Sag rising. Uh-huh. And my- You're a Sag sun, aren't you? I'm a Sag sun, but I'm a gem rising. Oh yeah, I can see that. Which makes so much sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, But I didn't know that. And my parents actually told me my wrong birth time. And it wasn't until I got my birth certificate. I was like, you guys, my whole life is a lie. Yeah. Everything I've been reading is a lie. Oh my God. Wait, when was that? that when was, did you? I think it was like sometime in 2021. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh-huh. I was like, okay. Yeah. So you're a Sag sun, you're a uh, Gemini, Gemini rising. And then a moon in Taurus. Oh, okay. Yeah. You know, what's so funny. That's why we, I, that's why we get along so well, because I'm an Aries sun, which uh-huh. is also a fire sign. So we're both fire signs. Okay. And then I'm a Taurus rising and Gemini moon. Oh, so, so we're, we're like opposite. opposite. Yeah. And isn't that like the, like compatibility, like you yeah. want to be in the opposite houses or whatever. Yeah. 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 So there you that go. Makes so much sense. Well, it yeah. isn't, um, me and Kaylee we were talking about this. Kaylee's a Taurus too, right? Yeah. She's a Taurus son. Yep. Yeah. So I attract, I was funny cause I was, I was talking to like my team about this. I attract Gemini's Taurus mm-hmm. and other, and I think it's Libra's, mm. which yeah, is makes sense. Thing. I yeah. definitely attract Gemini's Taurus. Oh. I attract yeah. a lot of Gemini's um, yeah. and I have a lot of Taurus in my life, which is yeah. So funny. I love that. I yeah. have to say this, um, for the listeners, like I was driving a couple of weekends ago. I, I, yeah, it was really a couple of weekends ago and it was late at night and I turned and I see this building. I was in LA and it said, what it said, 1127 angel. Oh yeah. Right. It was like the yeah. name of the building. Yeah. And I was like, Oh my God, that's for Whitney. <laughs> and so I took a picture of it. I was like, I got a message for you. Like, 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 like crazy is like, that? And you were like, what's your birthday again? And I was like, yeah. 27. And you're like, I have to show you something. And it was like <laughs> full body chills. I was like, in what world? I know it was, you guys, it was, it wasn't the address. Like it wasn't like no. the address is 11, the name of the entire building, like the store, whatever it was, was like a storefront, yeah, like a storefront. It was like the name of the store it was yeah, like it was oh, the- 1127 or yeah. 27 angel. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, I mean, the synchronicities are everywhere. So now I just, I have uh, your birthday like imprinted in my mind because of it. So I'll never forget. Oh my God. So good. Okay. Okay. Human design. You uh-huh. are a manifest generator. Mm-hmm. Do you remember your profile? God, I feel like you asked me this before. You like a one three. Um, hold on. Wait, let me find the photo. Multi, it just says multi-passionate hybrid. Let me see. Um, okay, no, we'll have to figure it out later. But she's a manifesting generator. So Okay, you're emotional yeah. authority. Okay. We'll Can you remind me what that means again? Uh, it means that you're going to make your most aligned decisions by listening to your emotions, like following your emotional wave, feeling into the highs and lows of the situation. It will never feel like a whole, like hundred percent. Um, well it might sometimes, but it usually doesn't, it's more like an 80%. Yes. Because you have to let yourself go through the highs and lows of it. And you got to like sleep on it, you know, and feel into it. I remember me and you talking about this because I'm very like, I'm very quick to react, but I'm very slow to make like gut decisions. And I, I used to think I was like, well, I just don't have gut intuition and it's Mm -hmm. not that. No, no, it's, and I think it's so important. Like we had talked about this, like, it's so important. I feel like for entrepreneurs to know this, because I feel like there's so much pressure for people to make decisions immediately. And like when you own your own business, you have to make so many decisions. Like you have to get good at making decisions, but there can be this pressure to, to just immediately respond. And that's not the way everybody's built to decide, you know? So it's good to just know that about ourselves instead of labeling, ourselves as like, I'm a bad decision maker. Or like, why can't I decide this? Or even just, so we know not to give in to any of that peer pressure, right? You're on a meeting yeah. and somebody's like, what do you want to do about this or this or this? And you're like, you feel the pressure. And it's like, I need to sleep on it. I'll get back to you on Friday, yep. you know? Yeah. So it's really helpful to know. Um, we should go into the rest of your chart at some point for sure. Yeah, we need to uh, do it. Yeah, we do. Okay. Last thing in this little series is what's a topic you are really interested in right now? Uh, it could be something you're learning about, something you're just thinking about in your life. You're seeing with other people, like what, what's been on your mind? What are you pondering? Um, been pondering a lot. Um, I have actually been really interested in the realm of God, I feel like I'm going to sound so boring. (laughs) Like (laughs) I was going to say private equity, but like, like, (laughs) no, it's great. (laughs) But here's the thing I've, I've actually like, I've, I've really started to, how do I say this? Okay. Like just let's get some context to this conversation before I start off. So I was raised by a single father that was an entrepreneur that came from a huge line of entrepreneurs. I am like going to be the first female that takes over the family business. I'm a female entrepreneur. Um, there have been instances of feeling like maybe business has been hard as a female, but it wasn't until I started looking into investing and like really understanding like who's has a seat at the table and who's included in these conversations that I realized that as a woman, it's so not like, it's not a topic of interest. And it's also not a topic like openly discussed, even if women are interested and it's really hard to find resources on to learn about investing. There's a lot about like how brands can go out and get money. There's a lot of, uh, about like kind of raising and like all those kind of things, but as like a woman being an angel investor or looking at private equity or looking at ways that she can expand herself in the investment pool or just the investment industry, it's kind of limited. And then like the stuff that is about investing feels very, very bubblegum. It feels very like, 
invest, like I, there's just not a lot of resources. So the thing that I've been like, actually just learning a lot more about is like just what it means to be an investor and all the different categories of how you can actually expand your money and make a return. Um, anyway, and, and then what that looks like for women. So that's I don't kind think of it's boring I think. at all. I think that's super important. Like, I think I, more people need to be having that conversation, you know, like yeah. I, I see that over and over again. I feel like we're all trying to do it so hard. I mean, for me, it's really in alignment with like, like manifestation. Like I love energetics, energy work, manifesting, because it's about how do I do this in the easiest way possible? You yeah. know, I think like we all try way too hard. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to get a lot of shit done. And so how can I do it in the easiest way possible? And to me, that's like the investment conversation really overlaps with that. Like, how can we get our time back or energy back? And it is a conversation that I think a lot of people are really shut out of or just afraid to even engage with, but it's not that scary. You know, it's, no. it's, not, it's not that scary, but I think like there are a lot of people who are, I have this conversation with friends a lot. Like they're comparing themselves to this person or that person. And I'm like, they didn't, yeah. they didn't buy that you know, $5 million home through their company. Like, especially in the entrepreneurship space, like people who are building these businesses from the ground up with no outside help. And they're comparing themselves to people who are living off money they've made through investments. Yeah. Yeah. Not not their company, which there's nothing wrong with that at all. It's just like, we need a reality check. 1000%. And it's also too, I think like the biggest thing I found myself, because I was like, I was like lining myself up to do investment deals in like these startups, but I wasn't understanding like any of the terms. And I was afraid to ask questions like, what's a cap? What's a discount? Like, what am I, what's like the return? Like, what does this look like? And like all these kind of fundamental questions, because it is very intimidating, this kind of like pedestal that we put investors on mm-hmm. and the kind of quiet conversations that a lot of investors aren't willing to have. So it's, it's, it's interesting. And I've just been, I've been digging in. <laughs> so how have you been learning about it? Um, I, there's a couple different ways. Number one, I actually love to chat with the founders or the people that are actually going and raising on what their term sheet means and what it means for me. And like, I'll straight up be like, explain it to me. Mm-hmm. Like explain to me what this discount means. Like, I didn't know what a discount was. Like, I didn't know what a cap table was. I didn't know what any of this was. And, um, it, that was obviously kind of intimidating, but I've learned through number one, the founders, number two, I bug my attorneys all the time, <laughs> yeah. but number three, I've also just been like Googling it. And it's funny because I have this secret hack and I love it. Anytime you're on a meeting, pull up, uh, you know, like the AI machines, like chat GBT, mm-hmm. anytime you're on a meeting, pull up chat GBT and just start asking them, like, what does this word mean? Or give me a brief synopsis of this. Like, I like was like messing around with my team the other day and I'm like, I want to learn what cryptocurrency means in less than like five sentences and like how it operates. So like, there's things like that where it's just like, I'm just constantly resourcing myself and I'm still learning. Like there's still so much I don't know. Like we're, we're, um, I've been chatting with this really, really incredible private equity group that really supports women investors. And like, I'll straight up, like ask them, like, what does this mean? And like, just asking questions and then like just Googling it. And I know that sounds like, so like base level, but having people that have already done it, especially if they're those said people are also the ones fundraising and making sure they explain it to you, because if they can't explain it, there's a problem. And then number three, just research, like researching information for yourself. Mm -hmm. Do you like, I mean, while we're on this conversation, while you're here, can you explain like different types of investing? 
high level? Yes. Some of them I can't explain like too, too much extent. Cause I kind of like, I'm still learning, but like, for example, okay. So like when I was at, when I first started my marketing agency, I got the opportunity to come onto a brand and they're like, we're going to give you sweat equity. And I was like, what the hell is sweat equity? And sweat equity is in a sense. So there's different forms of, okay, so let's break this down. There's different ways of investing into a brand, right? A lot of times people immediately associate investment with capital, meaning money, meaning I'm putting in a certain amount of money that once this company makes a certain amount of revenue or starts doing a certain number or a certain bandwidth, I'm going to earn a return and make back that money that I gave you plus some plus interest, plus returns, whatever it is, whatever the structure is. And all the terms can look different. Now, same thing kind of goes, there's, there's that there's also to where you can be paid out where it's kind of like a, um, a convertible note. So essentially it's kind of like a loan. Like you can basically put in money and you're going to get that money back plus interest. You can put in money as like an angel investor and basically know it's like a very high risk and there's no return. There's a bunch of different structures and I won't go into all of them, but going back to sweat equity, which is the one that I learned firsthand how to do was essentially giving up a service or doing some sort of work that equates into a percentage of the company or percentage of a payout for what you're doing. Um, and so that's how I got my first like kind of deal with sweat equity is I, I earned about 8% of this one startup. Um, and it was really interesting because I didn't set the terms and I didn't really understand what I was getting myself into and I didn't set very firm boundaries. So I kind of became like this like workhorse team member. And then once my equity vested after two years, which is a whole different conversation around what your term should be for equity or for sweat equity, I kind of was like, well, I have 8% of a startup. What am I going to do now? Like what, like I worked two years of my life and if a company sells, then I get paid out. Like it was, it was a huge learning experience for me and something I just kind of took on and did. Um, but now I have such a better understanding of how that pays out or what I set my terms to be moving forward. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love this conversation so much and it's something that I don't really talk about much on the podcast, but I wish more people like understood the behind the scenes of building this, these different brands. Like I see it through my clients and through a lot of my close friends. And I'm, this is how I like, I learn things because everybody's building. I'm surrounded by a lot of people who are building different brands, different product lines, like different types of companies. And so I'm watching as they do it differently. And I learn about things through, you know, as they're explaining what they're doing and like, are you going to raise money? Or are you going to not? Like, I think the big illusion, like the thing that broke my brain was like earlier on when I was first figuring this out was, oh my gosh, all of these people are making $0 building this big company and banking on the fact that they're going to sell for hundred million dollars or something, you know, in 10 years, like it's this long play, you know? And that was like my oh shit moment when I realized that and you know just talking to my friends are like yeah because I like they're poor they're poor yeah. until they sell and a lot of people yeah. think that all of these founders are like rolling in money because the company is doing well mm-hmm. um or it's the company looks like it's doing really well on the outside and it's it's not at all yeah. you know especially like with food I feel like a lot of food products like those brands just go go under you know a lot of them are yeah. like barely profiting if at all um yeah. And now I feel like I go into a grocery store and I look at all these different brands and I see it totally differently where I'm like, all of these brands that I love could maybe like literally not be profiting at all. And they're pouring all of this 
blood, sweat, and tears into this. Like you have no idea what's going on on the back, on the back end. Not at all. And you're, you're a thousand percent right too, because I mean, it's funny, Spencer and I were literally just chatting about kind of like Spencer's my boyfriend, but like, or my partner, we were, we were chatting about what life looks like in the next five years. And we're both very entrepreneurial and both love to create. And like, we're, but we're in this place where we've both been founders and we've both have just eaten it and grinded and not taken the paychecks and everything looks beautiful and perfectly curated on the outside. And then it's, and the company's doing insane revenue and all this stuff, but like, we're not living the lives we want to live that we literally sat down and we're like, how do we create a business where we are instantly stacking cash for me and you off each sale or off each service or whatever it is. And it's, it's interesting now because same thing. I mean, I've become, I did a lot of work in the marketing space, did a lot of work in the hospitality space. And then when I went over into CPG and started working with these direct to consumer brands or packaged good brands, it was just a whole new ball game. And you're right. When they sell, it's great, but the, you know, five to 10 year build is insane. And until they can get that point where it's like, they get paid out, everything's fine, but it's, it's, it's a lot. And it's always too, I feel like it's just like what everyone says, right? Everyone's like, Oh, it's overnight success. Like everyone's talking about right now, this, the company bloom, uh, nutrition or the bloom Mm -hmm. supplements. Mm -hmm. And no one knows that this girl and her boyfriend have been building this brand for years. Yeah. And they got funding. They rebranded. She popped off on TikTok. Like, like all these things happen, but she's like, but I've been doing this like forever. Yeah. And it, it's yeah. just, it's kind of, that whole thing's kind of wild. It, it, it is wild. Like there's so much that goes into it. And I think even just like, I was having this conversation with one of our other friends and she was, she was saying, she's like, Christina, like we're comparing ourselves to people who had all this funding. Right. Yeah. So it's like, like you're choosing how you build it, right? Like, am I going to build it and try not take any money? Uh, am I going to try to get private loans? I'm going to try and like do other things to put in all my own money. Or do you take, do you take money? And then, you know, you're giving away equity. And I know some people who are left, you know, like, you know, five years later, they're like, I have like, I have like 6% of my company at this point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, like, yeah. what was the point? And I think that's the thing of like, when you want to build a brand or a business, you have to really in my opinion, get really clear on like, why, why do I want this? Like, because there are a lot of people who I've worked with who they really want to build this brand. And when I ask why they're like, I want, I want to create this life where I can travel and I have freedom. And I'm like, well, building a brand is not the way to do that. Exactly. It's literally the opposite. Like, yeah. When you sell, like when you sell in 10 years and like, you know, we're, we're counting on the fact this is going to work out, but I'm like, if your priority right now is traveling and like having more free time, it's like get into real estate. I don't know. Like, like <laughs> don't do this. Like, this is the hardest fucking way. This yeah. is the hardest fucking way. <laughs> it, it is from, and it's funny too, because I, again, like, so with that guess marketing and the agency, right? Like I thought that was, you know, a lot of overhead. There was employees, there was teams. And then we got in to get super. And I was like, oh shit, who's going to send out the products? Like it was stuff like that, where it was like the production side of things too, was just such a different business, but you're right. And I think that that's, but I think that's just like, that's like this mindset. Like I hate when people over glamorize business, like business is beautiful and it's very freeing. And there's a lot of, you know, well, at least I don't have a boss telling me what to do. But the other part that people don't realize is like, 
Your boss is now your income. It's your clients. It's your customers. It's everything else. Plus some like your responsibilities don't go away. They increase. You're just in charge of how you monitor those responsibilities. And if you take care of them Mm -hmm. and it's, I think that that's the hard part because we're all sold this dream, like go start your own business, go be your own entrepreneur. It's great. You can wake up whenever you want. You can take meetings and vacations whenever you want, but it's like, but if you want to be successful and you want to make a life and a lifestyle and have X, Y, and Z for yourself, you also have to play to whatever level of success that looks like or whatever responsibility that is. 100%, 100%. I mean, it's like the, you know, what people say, like, choose your heart, you know? And, and for me, for me, I would rather have more responsibilities and like feel like there's more stuff coming at me, but be in charge of myself yeah. and have somebody else be in charge of me, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but to your point, it's like, I mean, it's just like pick, you know, like the responsibilities don't, don't go away. Right. And I think this, like, like actually like educate yourself on the reality of what's going on. I just feel like there aren't enough conversations publicly available, I guess, about what actually is going on behind the scenes. And I think there's a lot of pressure from different founders, entrepreneurs, like they don't want to talk about maybe the shitty parts or where they're struggling, right? They, they, like they that want to, for the good of the brands, like it's it has a certain image, you know, like, and they're not obligated to express everything that's going on behind this. Like that's, it, no. there's no obligations, but I think like it, people just don't understand what goes on behind the scenes, you know, and all the little moving parts. Um, and I think a lot of people get into it. I I think there's something very much to like launch, like just go, just go and figure it out when you get in there to an extent of like, when you really did not know what the hell you were signing up for at all. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's, I think you're right. When I, and a lot of those stories too, right? Like, um, have you ever listened to the podcast, like how, how I built this? Yeah. It's, I mean, those stories are kind of cool because it, it does walk through like a lot of the hardship, like behind business, but you're right. There's it's not glamorized. Like yeah. it's, it's, it's exactly, you're right. You're either choosing to have this or you're choosing to have that. And they're both equal in weight and you have to figure out which one you like more. Yeah. Well, I think that the thing that maybe isn't obvious enough to people is I'm like, okay, how many of these businesses that you're comparing yourself to had a lot of money already, mm-hmm. like going into with a lot of money, like it's not necessarily equal playing field. It's a very different story than somebody who's like, I've got no money. I'm building this company from the ground up, like very different story, you know, um, when you have more resources, the other, the other thing that I think is huge is who, you know, like, I think people don't realize this. And for me, this was a dumb moment for, with my business. It was like, my network is everything. Like I have to just be in the right rooms. I need the right connections. My time is best spent making the right connections. And I think a lot of people get stuck because they don't realize how important that is, or just who, you know, and like, I, I mean, I meet people every day, like through, uh, through clients, through friends, colleagues, whatever. And I'm, I'm on this call and I'm like, how the hell am I on a call with this person? And this person is like, oh yeah, I can connect you with this person. I can give you this resource. And I'm like, that. this was just a random situation. Yeah. You know? Uh, but, and I'm like, without this random connection that I didn't like do anything to earn, I just happened to know somebody who knew this person. Now I have a leg up. Yep. You I know? Yeah. So I just think there's a lot that's not like fully discussed. Um, my, I guess my question, I would love to go further into the differences you felt between, uh, 
like creating and running Ecos marketing and then get super because it's like very different business models. And I would love to hear how, how that shifted your perspective or like, what, what were the challenges there? How did that grow you? Yeah. Um, so Ecos marketing was, I mean, okay. So first off one is a service-based industry with clients that has multiple services that are delegated out or that are done by like my team. Right. The other one is an actual product good, packaged good that we, you know, we're selling off our website, we're getting into retailers, everything. So very quickly, I learned that I was very, very good at the vision, the design, building out basically how to go to market, what we're doing, like the very high level stuff, what I was very terrible at. And it's very, it's actually the same as Zacchaeus Marketing too is the nitty gritty detail and smaller end execution work, um, which doesn't, it just doesn't work. So for example, like me dealing with our manufacturers was like the hardest thing for me to wrap my brain around. Like my partner was there helping me with everything, but I could design the box. I could design the packaging. I could talk to the retailers. I could launch the website do the launch party, do all of the marketing initiatives. It was great. It flew. I could do all of that. I knew where the brand was going. I knew how I wanted it to look. But if you asked me to sit down and send an email to our manufacturer, I couldn't do it. Same thing with like sending an invoice or creating a PO. Like I never had to create a PO in my life. I had to create a PO for a retailer. And I was like, I have, this is, I hate this. And it's the, it's the same with that marketing, but I think on the, on the overall scale, one of the biggest things with get super was I think again, like with the, with the package good, it just required so much attention and it required, it was, it was, it needed me to constantly be moving and constantly be selling and constantly be evolving it. And with the agency, it was very different because my high level strategy was able to be executed by my team. So I had someone to do the execution work, whereas with the package good, it was still all on me and there was real no team because it needed to be from me. Like these conversations needed to be had by me. I needed to be the one that formulated it, all those things. And so that was a huge learning curve was just like, whoa, like I'm very good at these things. And there's a whole list of things with Get Super that I'm not great at. And I need to build out a team to help do those things and, you know, make sure that it's taken care of. Yeah. I mean, I can totally relate to that. Yeah. I hope that answered your question. Yeah, totally. (laughs) I mean, I can totally relate to that with courts. I'm like, I'm good at the vision. And like there, I think there are so many decisions. It's been hard for me to uphold my boundaries because there, it takes forever, all the communication, there's so many people involved. And then there needs to be a decision made and I have to make it because it's about the design or what do you want here? And it like requires me to budge a lot on my boundaries of like making myself more available because it already is such a slow moving process, you know, but I have found the same thing. I'm like, I'm good at the vision, anything execution. I, my brain just, yeah, (laughs) it just can't, it just absolutely can't, you know? Um, but I mean, I think that that's also good. Like, at least for me, it's been a good growth It's been, it's been really good because I used to, I think again, like as entrepreneurs or anyone that's just career driven or ambitious, there's a lot that we attempt to take on ourselves. Right. And especially when you're, when you come from a startup or when you come from starting another business, or you know, that you've 
you know, you had to have a website. So you learned how to build a website. There's a lot of these, like these, like fundamental things that we think we can take on. And it's not until you're in it where you're like, I could do this myself or I can work with someone or bring someone in or find the support I need and I could do it well. And I think that's also, I was listening to, um, there's this really cool podcast called the crazy ones. It's, um, God, I'm forgetting their names. I know Sophia Maruso was on it. That's how I found it. Cause I absolutely love her, but they talked about, there's basically this, one of the, one of the co-hosts said that he sees a lot of, mat- he knows mat- the maturity of an entrepreneur when they're able to basically say, I am not good at this one thing, or I'm not willing to talk about this one thing because I know it's my weakness and I'm not going to speak to it, or I'm not going to be able to do this the best that I can. And he goes, and those are the entrepreneurs that I want to work with, because at least now I know where their strengths are and they're communicating it and they're able to understand when they need help. And I think, again, when I thought about Get Super, I could let Get Super continue to do what it's doing for the next five years. But do I want that for the brand? No. Like, do I want it to be subpar? Do I want it to not reach the community and the people that it can reach? Yeah, of course I do. Like I want that, I want it to go into all these retailers, but I have zero retail experience. I've never talked to Urban Outfitters. Like I've never talked to these people. I don't know how to submit things. I don't know, you know, all the, uh, the UPC codes and everything else that goes into it. Like that's not me. But I know there's people out there where they live and breathe it and they're great at it. And that's all they want to do. And they know they see the potential. So why wouldn't I work with them? You know, hundred mm-hmm. percent. I mean, I think that conversation around support is, is huge because I feel like that really bleeds out into the rest of our lives, you know, because you start to realize, okay, like this is pushing my edges. If I, I literally have to ask for help as I'm building this because I straight up cannot. And then suddenly it starts to become clear for you where else in your life, like maybe you need more support, you know? And I think that something I really like to talk about is with different entrepreneurs, like, like what does your support system look like? Because it takes a village within the company, but also, you know, I tell, uh, tell people, I'm like, I have multiple coaches. I have like healers. I have body workers. I have like, I have the whole team. I have my lymphatic girl. I, I like have all these people. It like takes a village to run me. Right. Yeah. So yeah. like, what does that look like for you? What are the practices? Who are the people? Like, what does the support system look like for you? Yeah. Um, oh God. I mean, I feel like I had to also like come to, like, I had to come to Jesus moment with, with my support because again, I wasn't, I always kind of had this mentality and I think it was really ingrained into me from my family that success doesn't come without super, super hard work. And you have to be grinding down to the bone in order to achieve that level of success. And there was, um, I can't remember if you said it or if my other mental, I I have multiple coaches too, or my other coach said it, but she goes, you know, professional athletes don't not take care of their body. They don't go and work and work all day and work out their bodies, but then they don't rest and they don't take care of their mind and they don't not eat nutritious foods and take supplements. They are a well-oiled machine. And as an entrepreneur, there was this point where I just was not that well-oiled machine. I was just burning the candle at both ends. And I was like, but it's okay because this is going to lead to success. And ultimately it doesn't. So I had to really like establish like what support looked like for me. And honestly, yeah, it looks like having, I have like a mental mindset coach. 
Um, I love doing energy work with you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I also have, you know, a VA. I have my dad, who's an entrepreneur, but also one of my greatest mentors. I have a couple other business mentors that I look to, that I call, that I reach out to. And I think the biggest one is that I um I have a very small community of like friends, like actual good friends. And the reason why that community is really so small is because number one, I'm very picky with my friends, but also number two, I wanted to really build a fr- like a friend group that was people that I could hold space for and they could hold space for me, but also understood where I was as an entrepreneur and as Whitney. And that friend group continues to give back to me in multiple ways. And whether it's like, you know, venting about a client or asking about an employee or just like having a breakdown because me and my partner got in a fight or, you know, other things like that, that has been one of my biggest supports because it's not necessarily this kind of mentorship. It's just a shared space of understanding and there's been a lot of times too, where I've taken on so much and I've honestly taken on way too much where I felt so alone and so unsupported that having them kind of pour back into my life and at least just hold space and hold understanding and get it has been amazing. And it's also showed me too. I mean, a lot of, a lot of when you start to receive support, you did tell me this, a lot of when you do start to receive support, you start realizing how much you've never had or how much you don't have and how lacking and all these feelings are for yourself, you know, like that you're not taking care of yourself. You know, your glass isn't filled up. You're, you're empty. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it's hard to, to find or maintain those types of relationships as an entrepreneur, like just opening up the friendship conversation? Yeah. I do. Um, I, I think it's really easy to have a lot of like acquaintances I yeah. think having acquaintances and having a yeah. network is like the easiest thing. Like, it's great. Like everyone wants to, you know, everyone wants to do someone a favor to get a favor in return, which is awesome. Um, but having like those friends that I think, my, I think my thing is too, is like, I go through these like waves of like falling off the face of the planet. And it's cause I'm either building something or I'm in something and, you know, showing up to so-and-so's birthday party is just like the hardest thing for me to wrap my brain around. Um, and again, that's also kind of evidence of just doing too much, but whatever. I, I have to have friends that have that understanding of like, this is Whitney. This is the vertical that Whitney lives in. And, you know, this is what I want out of her friendship and vice versa. I kind of do the same things too. And I think having that like open level of communication with my friends, like my, my dog was super sick, you know, the last week. And so, and like, I had a bunch of my support like group system calling me and like texting me like every single day. And I was like, I love you, but I'm in zero capacity to answer the phone or to even shoot you or text. And I know there's so many things going on in your lives, but like, I, I can't right now. And for each one of my friends, just be like, yeah, no problem. Love you. Call me when you're ready. Like just checking in. Like you don't got to, re- I literally had a friend texting me saying, I don't need you to respond to this. Like, I just want to tell you, I love you. Mm-hmm. I think that that's awesome. And yeah, it is hard. But I also think too, that there's that shared communication of like, I think I'm just very blunt with like, this is what I can show up for. And this is what I can't. And I'll tell them straight up, like, I 
if I, if this is me being a bad friend, like we probably shouldn't have this friendship because this is who I am. And this is what I have the capacity for. And like, I don't want to be a bad friend to you. I love you. But like, if you can accept this and roll with it, great. I love that you said that because <laughs> I talk about this, you know, here and there. And a lot of people give me feedback. They're like, well, how do you do that? Like, that doesn't make sense. Or like, like mm-hmm. people think it's just a me thing. I'm like, no, this is a very, to me, it's a very healthy relationship. Like yeah. I was just talking to someone else about this. Um, he was like, how do you have so many friends? I was like, I don't have like so many friends. Like I ha- I have a good amount of friends, but the thing is all my friends are like me. We're like, we don't need to talk every day to maintain a relationship. Like, and I have, if one of my friends asked me like, Hey, can you like, I'm going through something and I'm stressed. I just either won't reply or I'm like, I can't. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel any guilt about it because I know that person doesn't care. Like they get it. You know, and, and for me, I was telling him, I'm like, if, if somebody ever asked me to show up for them and I have zero capacity and I say, I just don't have space for it. And I can feel their energy getting like upset or feeling, feeling, they feel like I'm not being there for them. Mm -hmm. I typically pull away from that relationship because that's just the kind of person I am, you know, like it's just how I am all the time. I mean, like you will, you'll text me and you'll be like, you don't need to reply to this, you know, or like, <laughs> uh, like, or you'll, you'll text me. And like, if I, I mean, you know, it's like, there'll be weeks. I don't look at my phone. Right. Yeah. But it's like, if I don't respond to you, you don't really think twice about it. Right. Like, and, and I'm the same way in the other direction. I think it's so freeing and liberating. And I feel like, like for me, just spiritually, this is like a higher frequency of relationship because it's not based on like obligation. And I think a lot of people get trapped in friendships and it feels like another to do. And for me as an entrepreneur, I, my friends can't feel like another to do or another client, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, where I'm not obligated to them and they're not obligated to me, you know? Yeah. yeah. So I feel like that's really, really liberating. And I think, I mean, what I would say is what you just said around, like you start to be upfront with the type of person you are and what you need. Yeah. And it's hard. Like, I mean, you're talking, I'm like, I am a class A example of a people pleaser. Like yeah. <laughs> it, I am, I am the golden retriever of human beings. Like that is just who I am in my nature. But what I have learned, and I think I, you know, I've had a lot of friend falling out. So I've had a lot of just relationship falling outs. And one of the things was that I was also kind of exactly living up that to this pip, people pleasing mode. And then it would turn unhealthy. And then I would just cut them off and I would just retreat because I was just running away. And that's, that's also too, something with like my friends where it's like, I, I don't want that with them. And I, and like, again, like I, like my longest best friend, Molly, like we had to have a conversation, I think like, oh my gosh, maybe like even a year ago. And I was like, I just like, you are having babies, you are getting married, you are doing life. And I can't be that best friend that is showing up once a week to have dinner with you and the kids and going to family events and going to holidays. Like, I love you. And I feel like an awful best friend, but like, I can't be that person for you. And she was like, okay. She's like, that sucks. And like, I'm, I'll miss you, but I love you. And I'm okay to carry on this relationship. And it's, it's hard. Like it's not, that's not easy to say, you know, and people will get pissed. Like my cousin, Nikki, I love her to death and we're super close, but like, she gets pissed at me all the time. And I'm like, kick rocks. Like, I love you, but like, you know, like you're still going to be my life. You're my blood, but you have to also realize that again, she's an awesome, like 
works from home, has two kids, has a completely different trajectory for her life. And not to say that like, there's, there's no difference in our lives. They're just very different, but that is her time. Like she wants those close friendships. She wants people kind of around her 24 seven. And I've had, we've had to have conversations that are hard. They're just being like, I will go on family vacations with you like twice a year. Mm-hmm. And I will see my niece and nephew as much as I possibly physically can, but I can't have you hold an expectation for me. Is that so much pressure? That's so much pressure. Like, how do you, how do you, as somebody who like identifies as a people pleaser, you know, like, because you're able to have these conversations like same, but I also feel it emotionally. Like, it doesn't mean I don't, I'm not feeling what's going on, you know? So how do you deal with that? It's funny though, because when you talked about energy, there's okay. And I, I feel this with clients and it's really, really apparent with clients because there's clients that sign up for something, but they want more and they want you and they want your attention. And it's really just like, I want, we're best. I want either like, I want bestie like energy, or I want something deeper. And I'm the same way. I like recoil. And I've even noticed that like, even if I, even if they're not saying anything, but if I feel that I'm like, Ooh, like I need to escape the situation and it's hard, but like, you also have to know that you're feeling that energy for a reason. And I always try to do like, okay, I'm going to set a boundary. I'm going to set the boundary. And if they're not cool with the boundary, I need to really step back and really give space because this person is not you know, I don't know if it's like emotionally aware or if this person is wanting more, or if this person is kind of like one of those energy drainers, but like, this is not where I need to be. And so I always kind of set the first boundary and it's like, if they blow past that boundary, then it's like, okay, well now we're, now I'm going to go ahead and remove myself from this situation because you're not, mm-hmm. it's not just like an overstep like, oh shit. Okay. Thank you so much for telling me that. Like, cool. I won't text you past 5 PM or cool. Like I didn't realize that wasn't in the contract or like, no worries. Like I'm willing to pay like additional to have an hour of your time on a phone call. Like if it's just kind of an overstep and they're like, they acknowledge it and they step back. I'm like, wait, I like this. You're emotionally aware. And I just haven't made things clear, but if they're like blow past it, I'm like, we need space because energetically there's something going on with you where you're not able to respect my time and my wishes and my my energy. And I'm not going to be there to, I'm not going to be the one to teach you. That's your own life journey. And I don't have time or space for that. 100%. I think, I think a lot of people have just never had boundaries set. You know, you look at like just the way that like typical family units are run. There are zero boundaries. Nothing is modeled, you know? So most people are just not used to any boundaries ever being set. Uh, they also, I think often, if somebody doesn't have any boundaries themselves, like everybody's always taking from them, they then think that they can show up that way with everybody else. But I I also think another big part of this is like, I mean, I say this with, with love, but I think there's a lot of people, this has been like a rude awakening for me. Um, just working with people like (laughs) business, a lot of people just straight up don't have the ability to put themselves in someone else's shoes. Oh, like 100% straight up. And I remember I've said this before, but I think this is really like worth (laughs) nailing home. Like I, I took a, it was in one of my classes in college. Mm -hmm. Um, I was a psych major and I remember learning about, it was like, I think it was a neuroscience class and there was like basically some developmental thing that had to happen in childhood that 
allowed somebody to like build the neural pathways to be able to put themselves in someone else's shoes. And my professor was like, if they don't have that experience, they quite literally cannot put themselves in someone else's shoes. So you might think people are just being assholes. They literally like did not have the developmental experience to be able to do that. So they really can only look at you from an outsider, but other people have had this experience and they have that ability within their brain to be like, oh, I can imagine what it'd feel like to be Whitney right mm-hmm. now. You know, so for example, I was thinking about this because um I, you know, January 1st comes and January 2nd, maybe this year. And <laughs> over over, you know, the last two weeks, um, everybody's off holidays, which is when I'm getting all my best ideas and all my information, right? And all the things I want to do. And the first week of January comes, everybody's back in the office, and I have a bunch of messages I want to send out. Mm-hmm. And I go and I schedule them to be sent out on January 14th. You know why I did that? Because I'm thinking, I'm not going to send this to everybody right now. They're being bombarded with shit because they're just back to the that office. Is so nice of you. <laughs> 100%, right? Like I, I literally, and I made a note, like text messages. I had a note and I was like, okay, sending this to Kaylee this day, sending yeah. this to Sam this day. Like I literally just had a note because I'm like, I'm not even going to bother because they're probably so overwhelmed this week. I'm not going to reach out to anybody. And I'm like, most people don't do that kind of no. shit. Right. No. Like, like I, now I, now I'm like thinking back of all the messages I sent the first week of January, <laughs> you know, yes. but yeah, but like even with the boundary thing, it's like, I mean, I had this conversation with my mom, my mom, you know, wants to talk to me all the time. I'm like, mom, mom, don't know what it's like to do what I do. No, you know, what's funny too, is I think that, you know, like, I think that that's also something too, where it's like, we do see this, like you know, there's, there's the word people pleaser, right. Where people talk about like, Oh, I'm a people pleaser. And I think a lot of people pleasers aren't necessarily people pleasers. I think they're empaths and I think that they fall into that, that I'm like, I know what it feels like to be you. I don't want to make you sad. I wouldn't want to be sad or like, I don't want to do X, Y, and Z. And I think that you're right. I think that there's other people where they literally have, they don't have that cognitive ability to be able to kind of relate. But I also think that there's something too, where there's also people that just don't care. And I think that you have to be very careful because I don't think that necessarily those are bad people, but I think that energetically you don't have to go through, like there's this one client that is just so I can like, I just specifically, it's just like flashing in my head. And I remember just, I wanted to bow down and just give her whatever she wanted just to make her happy. And there was just no level of satisfaction. And finally I was like, what am I doing? Like, what am I, I am letting that one human being dictate my business and dictate my, my feeling and like how I feel every day. And I think it's easier. I don't know. I, for me, it was never my family. And I think it's just, my family, again, I'm kind of an only child. I kind of just ran around wild all the time, but like, so it was a little bit different. My family, I think everyone just figured Whitney does what she wants. Um, so those conversations weren't always the hardest, but the hardest was actually business relationships. And I found myself doing that same thing where I was so empathic, empathic to my clients. And I was, you know, just putting myself in there in the trenches with them and taking on so much because I knew what it was like to run a business that it actually did more harm than good. And it, it led me to 
hurting my own business and even hurting sometimes those relationships with those clients, because I was giving so much of myself. And then I was underperforming on these new expectations set versus just doing what I was being asked to do. And so it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a slippery slope, especially when you do have that empathy and you're like, I do want to show up for you. But it's also that thing where it's like, I have to set a boundary for myself and be like, I can love them. I can tell them all these ideas and I can show up and be there for them within a certain capacity or else it gets unhealthy and then I'm screwed and then the relationship fails. Yeah, no, I love that. I I totally relate to that. And I feel like for me too, it was learning what it really meant to just listen, you know, and like what I thought was holding space was me just kind of energetically enmeshing with people. And like, for me to be able to hold space for all these people, it's like, I can listen and be there and hold a container and like still stay an outsider, you know? And I think I used to feel, I used to feel the expectations, like people would, you know, someone wants to work with me and like their energy is like, I hope Christina's going to fix this or Christina's going to have the answer. And used to take that on. Like it was my job, you know? And now it's like, I just am listening. Right. It's like, it's not my job to do anything for you. Like, you know, now it's like, I'm just in between, I'm just sharing what's coming through or like, uh, reflecting things back. But I think just even the energy we hold when we're uh, working with a client or holding space for a friend, like we don't have to energetically enmesh with the person. Like we can just hear and like hold the container. So I feel like for me, shifting how I listened was really helpful. Yeah. And that's, I mean, God, that's such a good, that's a good tip for me, even now with my clients. Yeah. (laughs) Um, and I, you know, I think that that's your, your spot on. I think that's a really great way to, to view that and to do like to do that. Yeah. I mean, you learn a lot about yourself when you work with a lot of people, you know, and, and people's behaviors or habits, like there's a lot going on. Uh, So you learn a lot about yourself, Uh uh, big big reflection businesses, (laughs) a hundred percent. And one of the things that like for me, just know, like knowing you working with you, uh, and I feel like you didn't really realize this until I like stamped it into your forehead. Probably that's happened <laughs> but, a couple times. <laughs> but, uh, like you're such a good manifester. You're mm-hmm. such a good manifester. Um, and everybody can manifest. We're always manifesting all the time, but there are certain people like, um, where I'm like, this person just literally has it like in a scary way, <laughs> you know, but I have it in a scary you way have it in almost a scary way. Yeah. Because you can accidentally manifest, like you're so good yeah. at manifesting. You can actually manifest a lot of things very quickly that you don't want. Uh-huh. Um, Sam is the same way. Like yeah. I tell Sam is too, it's like, and so there are certain people where I'm like, you, it's really, e- it's so easy that it's, you gotta be clear with it. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's funny because yeah, I'm walking through that. I mean, me and you have had this conversation, but I'm walking through that because there's a, been a lot of self, like, I'm, I almost said self-deprecating, but that's not the right word. It's like, it's basically what you called it the other day, which is like consuming of the mind. Mm-hmm. And instead of using that, instead of going the worrying route and consuming all these bad things and then manifesting them because I'll tell you what, I've had some shit go sideways and it's like, like I've literally called like business coaches and friends and they're like, I've never heard of this happening, but then I've also had really positive things. And they're like, how the fuck did you do this? Like, how is this even happening? And I'm like, I don't know. Like my life's just weird. And it's not that it's a thousand percent 
with just the manifestation and the energy and calling it in and it can go both ways, but yes, it is. Yeah. I've done both <laughs> lived through. and witnessed Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, okay. I would imagine, like, I feel like that's just something that's just natural for you, you know, but I, I'm wondering if you think about that, like, what do you, have you always been like that since you were a kid or is there, is there something that you would attribute that to like a trait? I think as a kid, I don't know why I'm like going here, but okay. So as an only child, I was super like imaginative. Like I had an insane imagination. Like I had an imagination, imaginary dragon named Scorch that would follow me around everywhere. And no one's not imaginary, that. Whitney. Oh, that's right. Oh my God. I forgot about that. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Yeah. We have to talk about that after. I totally forgot about that. Okay. Yeah. So Scorch, not yeah. imaginary. Um, but I was super, like, I was just super imaginative and I like, I just kind of lived in my own head. And I think also too, walking through, you know, getting diagnosed with anxiety and depression, I never realized like how strong my thoughts were. Like, I was just kind of like, I wasn't, how do I explain this? I wasn't like aware of my thinking. But as a kid, yeah, like, I don't know. I mean, there, I can't think of anything that I manifested as like a kid, but I just remember I was very, very, very creative. And I remember my parents being like, she just comes up with things and we don't know where she gets it from. It's not like she watches TV or like she's exposed to other children. Like she's just kind of like in her own world 24 seven. So I think maybe there, like I was yeah. just, I was just very good at like creating my own space, my own world. And I was alone. So it was came easy. But now, I mean, I think I manifested a lot of bad stuff in school. Like I always told myself, like I was a terrible student and I just would get myself into really awful situations. And then I remember being told, I had this one instance as a little girl where, um, this teacher was like, just, I was getting like, I was third grade. I was getting red cards every single day. Like I was just in this awful situation with this teacher and what were you doing? I don't know. I think I, I, think I, did. I was just kind of like mouthy and sassy and yeah, I'll never forget. Her name was Mrs. Winger and <laughs> okay. she was just like this old decrepit third grade teacher that just been like tenured and was like never leaving and like, oh. and all this stuff. And so um, I kept getting red cards and I kept getting red cards and like I, and then she basically like there's something happened. I was, again, I was kind of young, but basically they were like, well, we're going to place her in special needs classes, like in special education, because she's not able to perform and she's having a lot of trouble and she's not like getting her work in. So then my parents took and like had me tested and I had like this insane IQ as like a third grader. And they're like, she's bored. And this teacher is not allowing her to learn how she needs to learn. So then I went through and we did all these learning studies. And basically I'm like, I call it a fall on my face and learn learner, but like, it's a kinesthetic learner. You have to be in the environment. You have to be physically there and you have to be absorbent of whatever it is. And you're able to learn. So I didn't have trouble. I wasn't not smart. I just was really had to teach myself how to learn through school. And then I figured it out in high school. And then I just kind of like breezed through high school and college. And so 
anyway, I can't remember why we're talking about yeah. it. Yeah, that's you. For, that's, I, you've got yeah. number three in a human design chart. I mean, you know, it that all makes that all makes sense. You know, it's like, and I think also th- there's also kind of an advantage of like being an only child, and you know, like with with your dad being around entrepreneurship, like mm-hmm. there was open space for you to like just do your thing, be creative, be in your own world. And that didn't necessarily get shut down. Right. By other siblings making fun of you or their bullshit, or like, you know, I think having a parent who's an entrepreneur, this is what I've noticed with like a lot of people I work with, like whenever the parent is an entrepreneur, I can tell that that person from a young age was just like taught, like, I just have to dream it, vision it. And like, I can make it happen. Like you have this, this, you have this belief that you can make it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, usually it goes along with, I got to work hard, but you still like, you know, that you can do it. And a lot of people maybe who didn't have that experience, like that feels like deep down out of their realm of possibilities. Like I can't get out of the situation or that seems so hard. How could that, how could that be true? You know? So I feel like, um, all of that definitely makes sense. 100%. Yeah. I think, Yeah. I mean, I got to look at my dad and, and, you know, again, I was super, I'm so grateful for my dad and like the way that I was raised and, you know, again, him really kind of being like, you know, like every dad sits down and tells like their child, you can go out and do anything. But mine was like, so what do you want to do today? Like, where, where do you, where do we want to go today? Like, what do we want to, like, it was kind of like one of those things where he kind of gave me a vehicle or at least this like imaginary vehicle where it felt like it wasn't just like, go out there and do it. Now also too, like on the other end of the spectrum, my mom had a really hard time, had really limiting beliefs, really had like this opposite end of the spectrum. And it's funny because like a lot of my fear mindset, a lot of my worries, a lot of those kind of like, uh, insecurities have come up through her. And so it's, it's interesting to look at like kids and like the nature of how we grow, because I'm, there's so much of my dad in me but then there's a lot of like this kind of like of my mom and I've had to also recognize like where these mindsets come from and then be able to kind of like work with them in a sense, if that makes yeah, sense. Totally. Well, and I think what you just shared about your dad is like so helpful for any parents listening or like going to be parents of like, what a powerful thing. Like, what, what do you want to do today? Like actually giving your child some agency, like at a young age, they learn, like I can create, I can choose my day. I can vision, you know, like that to me, it was just like such gold, you know, like, he also was like the divorce dad. So I think like, he was just like, what, what are we doing? Like, you well, said- I mean, <laughs> who cares, who cares what caused it? You know, it, it is a powerful question though, because like it yeah. taught you, like I have, I have agency over my life, you know, oh, like yeah. I actually, get, I'm not just being told what to do, uh, from a young age. So I feel like that's really helpful, you know? And, and I guess with this, I would ask you, because I think a lot of this is just like innate within you. Like I see the way that you move through the world and the way that you make decisions and look at business. And it's just the way you think, you know, it's just like the the way you are, Mm -hmm. uh, because you talk to a lot of different entrepreneurs. What do you feel like is one of like the top or top few, like biggest, like mindset blocks that you see entrepreneurs living with that you feel like is holding them back. Like when you're looking at how people are thinking about their business company, branding, whatever. And you're like, Oh my gosh, I wish you could just like flip your mindset around this. (laughs) Oh my God. Like so many. Um, I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to use my, my partner here for an example. Um, because he's been a huge, my, he, he just became an entrepreneur less than 
oh my God, less than like two years ago. I think it's only been like a year and a half. And there's so much that has been like reflected to me of like who I am as an entrepreneur and then watching someone go through it for the first time. And you can't stop, like you can't help them. Like they have to go through certain things and they have to go through certain lessons and through certain like journeys. And I think looking at other entrepreneurs, there's this, there's this mindset that always comes up of like, it's like a scarcity mindset. It's like this, like, and I I know that's like such a general thing, but it's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's not like, what if things go bad? It's like preparing for the worst. Yeah. And it's, and I have it too. And it's funny because like, I think there's, there's certain times when I don't have it. And it's usually when I dive headfirst into a new project, which I'm always doing, but then that mindset comes a little bit after I start doing the project or I start launching the business. And it's this, it's this fear that limits us because when we do jump headfirst completely naive to a new project, we're not aware of the fear yet. And that's usually when shit kind of pops off. That's usually when like shit flies. And again, my partner did the same exact thing. Never been an entrepreneur, went and launched a project, product, went like viral, did honestly more money in the first six months that I've done in a collective of five years. Like it was just stupid. And, and I was, <laughs> it's just stupid. Cause I'm like sitting here like, what the fuck? Like, I was just like, how are you doing this? But now he's into the business a little bit more and there's, there's these learnings that have come up and these lessons that he's had to learn. And he's really starting to like go inward. And again, like I've seen myself do that and it's really hard. And I, and I don't know if that's necessarily like a learning, but I wish it was a mindset where I think that as being in business, we still need to kind of go for it and we still need to not be afraid. And we still have to know that, yes, there's going to be lessons. There's going to be journeys, but it's, and it's better to learn those on the way and to do it full out and to do it in this bigger capacity than to keep yourself small and to worry about it and to kind of have that scarcity. And obviously that is so much easier said than done. And there's so many factors that go into that financials, team, equity, you know, brand trajectory, the market, the economy, like there's so much that goes into that, but there's also these people that we see do it and it kind of flies off the handle and, or it does really, really well. So, I mean, again, like that's something applying to myself. I just see that. And I see it so much in entrepreneurs and I know you see it too, Christina. And if there was a mindset shift or something we could turn off on our brain to just keep us powering forward, I think it would be awesome. Oh, totally. I mean, I have been reflecting on this a lot recently. I'm like, I feel like the more information my business brain collected, the more I kind of got in my own way because I knew about the strategy and, and the numbers and things were a lot easier when I actually didn't know about any of that. And I just was going off of like, you know, blind inspiration. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Like it actually flowed a lot more, you know? And, and I think that sometimes we can get so in our heads and we feel the responsibilities or pressure or whatever it is, or just, we have too much information that then we don't actually listen to our intuition. And then, yeah. yeah. So it's like, it's kind of like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's like having a pros and cons list right in front of your face and you're like, yeah, you know, it is. (laughs) 
It is, but it's not well, an accurate list because it's just based off of what your past experience has been. Yeah. So totally. it's limiting. Totally. Well, it's like, you know, it's like a relationship. Like, should I be in this relationship or not? And it's like, there's a hundred pros. Mm-hmm. The one con is my gut is telling me no, but everything else is saying yes. You know? Mm-hmm. And I think that like that kind of energy shows up all the time and we have to just trust our guts. Yeah. Um, but with that, like, I am curious, like speaking of the going viral piece, mm-hmm. um, do you think that's a good strategy? Like to plan to go viral? No. I feel like marketing nowadays is like crazy. Like no. it's virality. <laughs> Here's the thing. There's so many different types of virality mm-hmm. for a brand or for a business that no, do not plan for it. <laughs> don't plan for it. Cause that honestly, cause if you plan for it, it's probably never going to happen. Like, I feel like that's how... what everybody on TikTok is like, it's like, but it kind of works on TikTok. It's like, it, it's so there's you, moments. There's the, there's these viral moments, yeah. right? Like you pop up. Like I did, like I did something. I was so pissed. I did something stupid about like what's in my Amazon cart right now. Yeah. And it like, got like to like, I don't even know what it's at right now. Like 50 K. I don't know. Oh and I was like, you want to know how many, you want to know how many Amazon like, yeah. like, like clicks I got, I think I got 12 Christina. Yeah. So like, there's this thing where there's, okay. So there's different types of virality. Right. And the way to look at it is conversion and what's going to convert because you can go viral for chasing a chicken around the farm, but that doesn't mean that just because now you have a million followers, you're going to be an influencer that turns it into like a monetized business. And in fact, this one girl, I love her so much. She's amazing. She is like into cosplay and she's kind of a comedian. And she was talking about, she's like, you guys love me, but like, I make no money. Like you guys don't buy my stuff. Like you guys don't support like my Amazon. And she's like, and that's okay. Cause that's not what like, I'm really about. Like you guys come here to like, feel good and to like laugh. She's like, but like, I don't make any money. And I think that again, like you can like as a brand or as a personal brand or however you want to like run it, it's better to have two people that are buying your product religiously than to have a million followers and like an audience where it's like, they're coming to you for one thing, but they're not, you're not able to scale or create any success, not success, but like money off it, I guess. Mm. Is that what you're asking? Totally. Well, I, it's an, I had this conversation with, with, um, a few of my friends who have blown up on TikTok, mm-hmm. and I was just saying, I'm like, this is my problem with it though. Like, like I feel like I could sit there and be like, yeah, I'm going to keep posting to TikTok, you know, or I look at the content they make and it's like, I'm like a lot of work goes into that. You're spending like most of your day, every day making TikTok content. Um, mm-hmm. but then what happens like, okay, you blow up, but then like you are married to that forever. Now everybody's expecting all mm-hmm. this content that takes so long and you're trapped in it. Yeah. Yeah. So was that worth it? Like, I don't know. Well, it depends. Like, do you win? Like, I mean, what's your quality of life? If you're like, I mean, like for me, like I was like, okay, I'm going to post it. I think I told you this. I'm going to post TikTok every single day. I'm going to try to do twice a day. And I've grown and Mm -hmm. like, I'm at like 4,700 followers, which is not a lot in the scheme of things, but like, is my quality of life. Okay. Yeah. Actually, like I'm finding myself like wanting to create videos and I enjoy it. And if I blew up, I'm not really tied to much because it's just a weird collection of like my life. Like, it's not like I'm building out mastermind courses or like doing all this, like really heavy nitty gritty stuff that I don't enjoy. It's just like me, like 
I'm like talking about like Emily in Paris trends. I'm talking about what's in my Amazon cart. Like it's, I was, I tried caviar and like, it like blew up. And I was like, this is stupid. Like it's dumb, it's dumb stuff that like I'm fine with, but, but you're right. And it, it is something too, where it's like, we're in this new phase of social media where everyone is talking about diversifying your platforms, but there's, it's, it's exactly what you said. It's a commitment. And you can either go all in and do it right and blow up. And now that's what you're doing, or you can grow slowly and maybe you're not going to see as much traction or maybe stuff isn't going to hit and it's not going to have those like blow up moments. Mm -hmm. So I think that's where everyone's at because everyone now is also too the kind of like the, the, I'm using this word a lot today, but the glamorization of like being a content creator, I think is starting to fade because yes, you can work for yourself, but it's also work. Like, yes, you can do this, but it's also, it's a lot of, it's a lot, it's very challenging. You know, even if you are just, again, like right now, I feel like people are literally going on TikTok to shop. Like I just, I'm seeing that trend. Like people want to go and buy things off Amazon. They want to see hauls. They want to see girls trying on things. They want to see what food to buy. They want to watch cooking videos. So you know, in so many elements, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, like, what, like, why am I posting about my business so much when right now I know that people are wanting to sell. And then also too, how long is this balloon of people wanting to buy going to last? Is it going to pop? Are people going to get sick of it? Are they going to be like, well, I don't want to purchase anything. I, you know, like I've been sold to for the last like five years. Cause that's all TikTok was. So it's just, I don't know. It's interesting. I think we're just entering into a new landscape, but I will say this. I do think that TikTok is giving Instagram and a lot of the classic social media platforms a run for its money because mm-hmm. it's offering so much exposure. I don't know how long that's going to last, but I think those that are capitalizing on it are seeing, are reaping the benefits of growing all new communities because of it. Okay. Yeah. I think it's interesting because it is, I feel like the best place for exposure, but I don't know how much of that is actually like converting, converting for people, mm-hmm. you know, cause I hear, I hear different things from different people, uh, mm-hmm. but I just feel like that audience isn't necessarily like primed to buy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I think it, I, it's like, it's my favorite platform to create on because it's easy. Mm-hmm. Like it's just easy. It's real. It's raw. Like, I feel like Instagram is a lot of, we talked about this, like mm-hmm. work, you know? <laughs> um, but I yeah. look at TikTok and I just, it, I don't know. The energy to me feels like, it's like, it feels like clubhouse energy to me, like mm-hmm. really intense. Everyone's all into it. And I'm like, well, at what point does this blow up? Or mm-hmm. like, I just feel like the level of mental health issues that can come from this. I don't, I don't know. It just feels like really kind of intense. I, I mean, I think, okay, here's the thing. I also, I have this theory. I've been saying this like for like the last couple of years before TikTok like came out, I was like, there's going to be a new social media. Like there's yeah. going to be new social media. There's going to be 12 more new social medias. Yeah. Like that's what I think we, we have to also realize is like, this is a new product that entered the market in like what the early two thousands. And it still feels new to me and you, but this is not going to be new to the generation below us and the generation below them. This is just a whole new vertical of commerce that's that's happening. It's kind of like the internet, right? Mm-hmm. Now we just have social media, which is kind of the internet, but you get what I'm saying. But like it, 
it's not going to, it's never going to die now. It's yeah. just going to keep evolving and there's going to be new things and everything's just going to keep growing and moving and shaping and going in different directions. So yeah, we're probably going to see a lot more clubhouses. We're probably going to see a lot more TikToks and then we're probably going to see ones that rise up and they become like the meta of like the social media, you know, or take down meta, or we're going to see a lot of rise and falls. Do you ever, did you ever watch that show Silicon Valley? I didn't watch it. No, okay. but I, I know uh, what it is. Okay. There was this, I'll never forget this. I think about this. I think about this in like this, this beginning scene, like, oh my God, I don't know how many times a month, but I think about it all the time. So in the very beginning credits of Silicon Valley, there's this like animation and it's all these like different like business shops. And there's these hot air balloons on top of each of the business. So there's like Twitter, there's um, Napster, there's, um, I don't know, Instagram, Facebook, like there's all these different ones. And each season there's diff- there's new ones. And some of them blow up and blow up and blow up and pop. And then they're, they're gone. And some of them blow up, shrink, blow up more, shrink. And it's like, I feel like that's just like the nature of like the economy and just business and, and everything else too. But it's just a, yeah, it's just a new vertical. It's here to stay and it's just going to keep evolving. And there's going to be so many other platforms and just roll with, I think at this point, if you're wanting to be a content creator, roll with whatever gives you the best quality of life that you, and like what you want your goals to be on it, to make money or just to make people have, you know, bring people value, but roll with it. Yeah. I mean, are you of the camp, like pick something you could commit to and go all in, or are you of the camp, like diversify as soon as you can? I think it depends on what you're doing. Okay. Because Yeah. I think like, again, like I see, I see these girls that are bringing in, you know, six figures and six, you know, yeah. Six figure revenues just off like Amazon and just off commission and links and user generated content. And like, that's cool. But like, I also see coaches that are diversifying themselves. They're going on podcasts. They're, you know, building their email list. They're running ads. They're on YouTube and they're smashing it too. You know, so I don't, I think it just depends on what you're doing and where your audience is. I definitely don't believe in you starting out and jumping on five platforms and trying to manage five platforms at once. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that it depends on who, like what you are, what you're doing, what the goal is. Because I think, again, if the goal is I want to make six figures a year, great, jump on TikTok, do X, Y, and Z, let's blow you up. But if you're like, I want to build an insane audience that is whenever I drop something they're buying, I think that looks a lot different. Yeah, totally. And I think also like playing to your strengths, right? Like mm-hmm. some people, I, it's like, you see people on TikTok, you're like, you're, you have the personality for this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that, that's good this on is you. you. This yeah. is you. Yeah. Oh man. So much good stuff in here. I could talk to you forever as you know um but yeah I know this is going to be really really helpful for everybody listening I got a lot out of it so thank you for being here thank Uh, you for having me I love chatting with you I'll chat with you all day (laughs) Uh, so fun so fun let everybody know where they where they can connect further with you and learn more from you yeah, absolutely. You guys can follow my personal journey just at Whitney Eckes. I am on TikTok. It's it's very um unhinged, but it's fun. Whitney unhinged. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, you guys can follow the agency at Ecus Marketing. You guys can try our hemp infused instant coffee, get super just at G-E-T-S-U-P-R. And I also have a podcast, which Miss Christina was on. It's under the influence podcast. Um, and it was an amazing episode. So oh, definitely go give that a listen too. Yeah, it was so fun. Definitely listen to that. All of Whitney's podcast episodes are amazing. Oh, uh, and yeah, everybody go give Whitney a follow because she's one of my favorite people. So Thank you so much for being here. Uh, You're the best. And uh, thanks everyone for listening in. Huge thank you to Whitney for coming on the podcast and sharing so much wisdom and having such an amazing, real, authentic conversation. She is seriously the best. Be sure to connect further with her on her podcast, Under the Influence. You can find her on Instagram at Whitney Eckes, TikTok, Whitney Eckes, and on her website, WhitneyEckes.com. If you did enjoy this episode, be sure to take a screenshot, share it to social media, tag me, tag at Christina the channel podcast, and tag Whitney so that we can see that you're listening and that you enjoy it. And it always means the world when you guys do share the episodes to social media. It's such a powerful way to help us build our community and I want to keep building the community because we have so much fun here so thank you for all of those shares every time you share to social every time you send the link to a friend it's just such an amazing way to send some love you know circulate some positive energy and also means a lot to me and my whole team who puts on this show so huge thank you to you thank you for being here for showing up for listening that's going to be it for today's episode I hope you have an amazing rest of your day and I will try with you again next time.